Recorded live. And welcome to w- sorry, not WWE.com because that's the website I'm looking at right now. Um, <laughs> welcome to the Weekday Wars of Wrestling for Wednesday, March 16, 2016. I'm Eric Lancy along with Patrick Kelly. The reason I asked this is because this is the first time I've, or, or not asked this, this is the first time I've been on the new WWE website, and it's awful. Have you seen it? <laughs> And you know what? No, I've only uh, I've only gone into it to log into the network. So other than that, I haven't really seen what the new website looks like. I mean, ours is better. Like the design of ours is way better. It's like not formatted correctly. I don't know if I have a big screen, but it's still just not formatted. It's like if you've ever been to like Uproxx or something. Like it's trying to do that, but it's just it's just fucking weird looking. I'm I'm looking on it right now. It's it's. It's it's really fucking weird, um, and that's just as I as I pulled that up, we started the show. So um, it was yeah, so it, shockingly it, bad. It's terrible. Yeah, I mean, previously it was fine. You can get the information. This the design is just garbage. It, I, I know what they're trying to do. They just did it really poorly. Um, Sounds like how they implemented the network, where it's like, oh, it's just like Netflix, except kind of shitty. Except it's like it's not just me. The stream sucks all the time, from what I understand. Um, it hasn't been that much of a problem for me, but I'm you not on it. Everybody had problems at Fastlane. I had tons of problems. Did you not? No. You're okay. Like, all right. Um, <laughs> I'm special. Yeah, whatever. Um, you got to see that shit. Um, okay, so we're gonna go through. We can talk Roadblock. We can talk. Um, NXT, we can talk Lucha Underground. I didn't see Raw, so you're going to have to walk me through that. Honestly, I was playing um, Stardew Valley on Steam, which is, like, the greatest game. And if anyone out there has not picked this up, and they've almost – they sold, like, half a million copies in, like, a week. So it's it's pretty popular. But basically, if you're a fan of the Harvest Moon series, you should play this game because it's, it's like, Super Nintendo graphics. It's, it's wonderful. Oh, nice. I was much more interested in doing that than watching Raw. And based on the, the, the results, I didn't miss much. I mean, I saw the glorified house show they called Roadblock. Um, I Which was felt, actually better than most WWE shows. I kind of liked that it was kind of this lower quality, yeah. uh, not as produced WWE show. Like, yeah, I, I agree. I agree with you wholeheartedly. And you and I have talked about this multiple times. Like, it is such a sterilized product you watch these shows, I swear to God, they could be in the impact zone. They could be in the same arena every week, and I would have no clue because the arenas all look the same. It's exactly the same. And I've talked to this a thousand times. You remember, like, 1994 Raws, right? They looked different, oh, yeah. each one. Like, I-, I can remember, I think, and this is – and MSG, up until – I want to say recently, always looked different. Like they had the the entranceway in the center of the ring. Um, I, they still did that for like the 08 Royal Rumble. I think they stopped doing that. But that was always um, fun because you knew, oh, they're in Madison Square Garden. And I you know, it's funny you mentioned that. I just rewatched WrestleMania 20 uh, about a week ago, and yeah, it's just just having that one slight aesthetic change made the show a lot more interesting to watch. No, no. Let me ask you this. I, but Madison Square Garden didn't have that didn't have it set up like that, though. I'm mean, sorry, not Madison Square Garden. WrestleMania 20 didn't have it set up like that, though. Yeah, it did. So when you're watching the match from the hard camera thing, the entrance is in the middle? Oh, no, no, no. But they had, like, this little, like, Titantron thing right in the center that kind of made it look Oh, no, no, no. What I'm talking about, 
go back to look at WrestleMania 10 or like any Raw, really. SummerSlam 98. Yeah, 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 and uh, yeah, in SummerSlam and stuff. SummerSlam '98, like you said, the, the entrance is in like the center of the hard camera, and it was always different looking, and it gave you a sense of place. And now the only thing they do is they're like, "Oh, we're in London Town. Here's a here's a, a a phone booth," and that's all they do. They like put it on the stage, and you're like, "Here, watch this while we do this shitty overseas RAW. That will nothing will happen." Um, <laughs> it, it's just so sterilized and. I agree with you. I like that Roadblock looked like a different show. I actually didn't mind that it was like how show finishes, where like the guy, the guys you knew you were going to go over went over. Because you and I have talked about this multiple times. Like squash matches are a a necessary evil in the world of pro wrestling. They build up characters. They get certain moves over. Like I, I swear to God, like I don't need to see. 20 matches in a row with false finishes and people kicking out of each other's finishers. I don't need to see it. I need the context of something mediocre. So when I see something good, I'm like, Oh, okay. You know? And it's just like, they don't do that because they're like, Oh, this is going to like, I remember triple H had a, a line on Larry King one time where he said, well, you know, we're not like the NFL or pro sports because we can predetermine the endings. We don't have blowouts. Yeah, but fucking A, if you never have blowouts, then nothing special. I'll take that line from The Incredibles where, uh, uh, what's his name, uh, Jason Lee's character says, um, you know, if it, when everyone's super, no one is. And you have to have that context, otherwise it's meaningless. It's just a bunch of, like, fucking moves back and forth and nothing matters. Well, I've used this line before, you know, and it's easy to make fun of this team, but uh, they're they're necessary to the league. The NFL needs the Cleveland Browns. We need a really bad team so that you know who the good teams are. And if you equalize everybody, then it's just kind of this, and you've talked about it before, 50-50 booking where everybody just kind of comes off looking the same and nobody gets over. Yeah, and like yeah, and that gives a great story too for the Cleveland Browns. If they start winning games, you have a ready-made story for that. I, I know NFL isn't work, but you know you have a ready-made storyline to go with that. It's like Hamna in Japan. Like you have a storyline for if this if this guy can win, and yeah, it's just it's ugh. But um, let's get back to the show because I thought, um, and we'll talk Lucha Underground after this and, and a few other things. Um, uh, you know, I thought it kind of annoyed me because I, I don't mind it being like a house show and them doing house show matches. It bothered me because, like, I knew Triple H was going to win. I said it on the show when it was announced. I said it last week. I, but it was just like such a tease, you know? Like, like you could do something really interesting here. You can really do something engaging. And... I'm not the guy who's like, don't, you know, don't do your plan because, you know, people are expecting it. But the same token, do the more interesting thing. The more interesting thing is Ambrose winning. The more interesting thing is Ambrose going in there with the title and who the fuck knows what's going to happen. Because WWE is trying to do this thing with Roman Reigns, shockingly, for the second year in a row, and it's not working 
because they're the only company in the, on the planet who, like, if you owned a lemonade stand and people are like, you know what, your strawberry lemonade tastes better than your regular lemonade, and you're like, fuck you, I'm not serving any strawberry lemonade. You'll have my regular lemonade and like it. And they're the only company that does that. They're the only one who's like, you want this character? No, you don't. You want Roman Reigns because he's getting over with the mainstream fans. Are the mainstream fans the ones in the arena that boo him all the time? Are those those mainstream fans? Because last week I get on Raw this week. I, I know it's just like, and it's happening more and more. It's happening in like Mark towns, like in Dallas or like you know Orlando or places. Which fucking a got another WrestleMania because I we needed Orlando to have another WrestleMania. That's exciting. Like I was I was hoping for Minnesota just for like a different aesthetic, and I'm sick of Central Florida and WWE, and that partnership is just annoying to me, you know. Um, hey, as long as they don't go back to that piece of shit Citrus Bowl, I think we'll be fine. <laughs> they they are, though, right? <laughs> is that where they're going? Yeah, yeah, they're going to the Citrus Bowl. Like, oh, uh, that fucking run-down piece of shit venue, the being, Citrus Bowl? God it's damn. Being, it's being renovated, um, I think, is, is, is the draw, and this will be one of the, the new things. Um, let me uh, let, okay. let me see. And for here. those of you who don't know what I'm referencing, yeah, no, uh, it's, it's a watch ball. the Mania of WrestleMania documentary where they really tear the Citrus Bowl a new one. It's I, I don't know why, but it was really funny. Yeah, they all hated it. Yes, I remember that. That's of of 28, right? Or no, 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 no. 28 was Miami. Wait, no. 24. Yeah, 28 was yeah. Miami. That was the one we were. Because 29, my fucking numbers are going crazy. 29 we went, you and I went to together. Right. Um, which, was, which was the most interesting conversation. The funny thing about 29 is it started like the best year of pro wrestling since like 2004. And mm-hmm. it, it like, it, but it, the show was so fucking bad, you know? Like there was oh, hardly... Oh, status quo mania. Yeah, it was, it was. I remember, remember we were there and like, like nobody reacted to the rock and the the Cena match. We, everybody was just like, "Ugh, I guess so." This is <laughs> happening. I, oh, just, I remember we were walking out of the show and there were guys saying, "Like, well, that match sucked. How many more times do you think they're going to do that?" Yeah, I, uh, yeah. I, well, thankfully they didn't do the third one because remember we chatted about that that they were going to do three matches and it was going to go like Rock Cena Cena to officially establish John Cena as as the guy. Young, up-and-coming, 38-year-old John Cena. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that was... Um, the best was that cosplayer who came, who dressed like Daniel Bryan in that cold weather, like, and he was in nothing but, like, Daniel Bryan spandex. Uh, that's some dedication, man. I, I'll give him that. That was... Uh, and, yeah, he was, like, the funniest guy there. He was great. He was good. Um, we had a good... We had a good section, too. It was much better than my NXT Brooklyn section. Holy shit. Let me tell you about that thing. Boy, the guy next to me was, like, anti-any chance. Like, I tried to start so many chants in my crowd. They weren't, like, smart chants or anything. I was just like, well, you know, I'm chanting for, like, Chad Gable. Chad Gable, who, by the way, if everybody thinks Brooklyn is so fucking hip, let me tell you who didn't like Chad Gable. Fucking Brooklyn. Like, talk about getting on that train late. I mean, you and I talked about when we first saw Gable, and now everybody's on the Gable thing. And whatever, I'm not trying to be, like, a hipster here or anything, but I'm just saying... Brooklyn did not care about Chad Gable. They were all about Enzo and Cass. And I'm like, this guy is like Kurt Angle reincarnated. We should enjoy that he's instantly better at wrestling than 90% of the roster. 
<laughs> yeah, it's not that you and I were quick on the uptake there. We just everybody recognized it pretty quick. I can't understand why yeah. Brooklyn. Uh, I, I, would... I'm not a genius or anything. I just have eyeballs and can see Chad Gable in the ring, which is pretty much yeah. all you need to do to comprehend the guy is awesome. Not to sell short Jason Jordan because Jason Jordan is also awesome and America Alpha, American Alpha is my jam. But you know, it's like. Chad Gable was kind of like new, and you could see it instantly. Where I think Jordan, it like took a while for him to get what he needed to be, which he is. He needed Chad Gable. Exactly. They they're they're like peanut butter and jelly together. Um, okay, so let's get back to to Roadblock. Um, uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed the Triple H Ambrose match. I will say this, like. I love CM Punk chants. I love CM Punk chants to Triple H because regardless of what people say, Triple H, they're like, oh, you know, they did everything for Punk that they could do. Well, you know what? You have to manage your talent, and they did not manage Triple H, uh, CM Punk well. You, you, would you have managed 1990 Shawn Michaels like that? No. You needed to manage him in a certain way. Triple H fucked up with CM Punk, and it's on him. It's, it's always been on him. So I do not mind CM Punk chants at Triple H. I think it's fantastic. However... Dean Ambrose is working a match for him. I'm going to guess that as a fan of CM Punk, you're probably a fan of Dean Ambrose. Like, it, it only hurts Ambrose because it's not going to hurt Hunter Hearst Helmsley. He's, he's going to be out there regardless. Well, that's uh, one of the funny things about Triple H is that you really can't hurt him. As, so long as he's married to Stephanie and has a position in that company, he's not going to get hurt by literally anything that you do. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought it was a good match. I mean, Triple H the worker and like honestly triple h the mind is great it's just you and i have said this time and time again we love what he's done with nxt we love his mind for the business and his concepts the problem is when triple h is booking and triple h is a character on the show he can't seem to segregate what's best for business and what's best for triple h um oh we talked about it before the plan never changes when he's the guy yeah, and that's yeah, how we yeah. knew he he wasn't dropping the belt at Roadblock either. It's like no, because the plan is for him to main event Mania, and yeah. that's not changing. Same as 2006. Same as like the only time that ever worked against him was in uh, 2001, where like he was having that killer year, and they were like set on having Rock and Austin, which they pro- in retrospect that match was amazing, and it was like a culmination of the Attitude Era. They probably should have had it, but Triple H feels like he earned that match, and he didn't get it. So I think forever now, if anyone else, whether they're Edge, whether they're Ambrose, whoever earns a match, they're like, yeah, no, 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 we're going to keep the plan. Um, See, that's one of the other things where I'm like, okay, Triple H, you remember what it was like being an up-and-comer. Why are you screwing all these guys over? Yeah. Which, by the way, Triple H's time as an up-and-comer, he was, in his, like, 20 years in the in the company, he was only not world champion for four of them. Like, think about that. Like, from 95 mm-hmm. to 99. And remember, like, in the summer of 99, his character was, like, bitching about the curtain call and stuff. And I'm like, dude, you had the job for, like, four months, and then you won the Intercontinental title. Like, you didn't have it that bad. And it's always... It's always funny to, like, go back and hear, like, oh, well, Triple H was left holding the bag. I'm like, no, he wasn't. He, like, was held off of SummerSlam, and he, like, lost to Austin at a pay-per-view, and he lost some TV matches. And then he beat uh, Mark Merrill for the Intercontinental title, got put in a program with Mr. Perfect before he left, beat everyone from, like, Goldust to Foley, won the King of the Ring, and it was put in DX. Like, he had a fucking pretty good year, you know? <laughs> like, they act like, they act like it was such a awful, awful thing. He's like, I lost to every single person. I'm like, nah, you just lost to some other mid-carters. 
Yeah, no, that's one of the biggest gross exaggerations in the history of wrestling. And if Triple H, if that's considered a massive punishment for doing what he did, I'd love to know what Carlito did. Yeah. Well, I Carlito know didn't try so hard. Well, wouldn't you if you just there was a glass ceiling and you were never able to penetrate it, despite being super over when you beat John Cena for the U.S. title, and everybody's like, no, 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 let's just give it back to John Cena. To this day, I still say Cena could have been, I'm sorry, Carlito could have been like the rock to Cena's Austin, and they could have had that rivalry, but they never let him look strong against Cena. It was even even back then with the U.S. title, it was like, Oh no! And there was no reason for Cena to get it back. You remember Cena like was going into the into WrestleMania to wrestle JBL anyway, and he had the U.S. title, and it was like, did you, why why did he need it? You could have just had him had him drop to Carlito, just set up his feuds, and then Carlito could have the the U.S. title. There was no reason for him to drop it. Well, I think the main reason that they did that was that Carlito got injured. But even then, it was like okay. We'll, we'll, I'll buy that as an excuse, but what the hell happened with Ric Flair and the Intercontinental title? That was unforgivable. Now, there's Triple H again, because that was so Triple H's story could have the impetus that, oh, Triple H, Ric Flair, you shouldn't be going for the Intercontinental title. You're mediocre now. It was also, you know, it, it all comes back to Triple H. So, yep. um, <laughs> all right, so why don't we, you know, Roadblock was, was fine, whatever. Why don't we get to um, Raw, which I didn't see. Um, okay. So, I mean, I saw I saw the results. I saw. Um, the, we you had, didn't see Shane McMahon botch that promo horribly. I, I heard about it. I heard lots of jokes from people that it was Ryback esque. Um, and uh, it like, was it was pretty bad. It's like he has like mental dyslexia or something, where he was getting the sentences jumbled around in his brain and they were coming out wrong. Yeah. It was really weird. It was like okay, he's like Undertaker. I know your strategy. You're gonna hit. Well, you're gonna hit. And I'm gonna miss. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> and, and the crowd started laughing at it. It was like, oh dear, Shane, I'm back. You you need to need to spruce up on the mic skills a little bit, it's buddy. It's like when Sid said, "And I have half the brain that you do, and I'm half the man that you are." It, it's actually very similar to that. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't have a lot. <laughs> I feel like I've said this last year. I don't have a lot of faith going into Mania. Um. And I think last year had, like, a Mania 21 vibe for it, whereas, like, or not 21, 22, the Chicago one, yeah. The the, the Mania 22 vibe where everybody's like, oh, our expectations are so low, and then, like, it exceeds it, and you're like, oh, cool, this is amazing, which is, I always hate, people will, people say 31 is better than 30, and I, I will fight you in an alley if you say that. <laughs> like, like there is like, I, I can't. I felt like a child watching Thirty. Like, I, I popped for the babyface winning. You know, like, mm-hmm. like, I felt like I was supposed to feel. Like, I went on the, with the story with them and and enjoyed it for the first time in God knows how long because Cena wasn't looming. You know. <laughs> yeah, no, that was uh, 30 wins outright just for the Daniel Bryan stuff alone. And I'll even say, especially in hindsight, ending the streak makes that show a lot more historically significant as well. Yeah, and you have the the awesome squash match of Shield versus Kane and Outlaws. That's exactly how you booked that match. That was one of the best booked matches on that show. Yeah, I agree. All right, so, I mean, what is there to say? I'm not super... Excited going into media. I am super excited after Mil Muertes destroyed Pentagon and Puma to retain How his title. How awesome was that match? 
I it was it was so good. It's like I'm I'm watching that match, and you remember last week when I'm like Neville does ten thousand things and none of them mean anything, and I'm watching this match and like Pentagon like gets super kicked by Prince Puma, and then Prince Puma moonsaults off the guardrail, and I don't know what it is. I I can't honestly tell you, but that was like that that was the same thing that I criticized Neville for, and. And I was totally fine with it. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the match means something and the context is built up more, but I'm just like, I'm riveted by this. And this is interesting. to me. Maybe, I'm, maybe I have no connection to Neville as a character, and that's where it goes, but I'm just like, this is fantastic. This is riveting. These, these guys, like, and, they, and the way it's laid out is so much better. But I'm just like, I'm watching this. I'm like, they're doing this stuff, and it's hitting so much more with me than what, like, Neville does. And I, I can't even explain what the reasoning is, you know? I think a lot of it is the story and the context where you have all three of these guys who are built up really, really well going into this match. And really, I, I could have conceivably viewed anybody winning, any of the three guys winning this match. And I don't think I would have had a big problem with it. I think Muertes was the right way to go. But, uh, yeah, it's, it was just more exciting. I felt like this is a payoff of like six, seven weeks now of – because they've been building this match up since the end of episode one of season two. So I, I don't know. This just felt more exciting and like more of a culmination of things and uh, a lot more exciting. Yeah. You know, I, I agree. I think there's more juice in Mertes as the champion for right now. Um, I think, um, he's defending with, the title again tonight against Phoenix. Yes. Yes. Um, and I, and I thought the Phoenix at the end was like, you know, Mertes goes through. Cons- uh, I, I would say two of the, very few guys on the show that you could kind of put on his level. Like, Puma's been the champion. Puma's the protagonist of the show, so Puma's there. And Pentagon, through sheer force of will, who went from being other guy in the triple threat match between Drago and Phoenix in, like, the third episode of Lucha Underground, to being the guy and, like, the 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 stone-cold Steve Austin anti-hero of Lucha Underground, he's defeated the only really two guys on his level. I guess you could say Mundo and Phoenix. And then the other guy, I don't think Phoenix is on his level, but from a character standpoint, Phoenix is the only guy to ever take down Mil Mortes. And he's like, I'm cashing this shit in now next week. And, and it's, it's life and death. It is, it is literal life, the avatar of life versus the avatar of death. By the way, because this show gets me so excited, how about the fucking nunchuck fight between Jack Evans, the Darewolf, uh, and Drago being saved by Aerostar? Like, I, how is everyone not watching the show if they're a wrestling fan? Okay, I'll say this right now. That may be the best backstage fight I've ever seen in pro wrestling because it was so over the top and so just fantastic. Each one of them just pulling out fucking nunchucks. I'm like, this is the coolest fucking thing I've ever seen. This is great. You got a time traveler, a dragon, and then two guys that are just pricks going up against them. It's great. It's fucking yeah, great. The, the best was like like Jack like like backing off and being like, oh, the, the fans named me that. Despite the, there's like a video montage of him saying that about himself, and then and then he's like, you know, uh, and then they get the the, the nunchuck fight. And then Aerostar comes out of nowhere, and you're like, oh, shit, he's back from ancient Aztec times. And it's just, it's so good. Also, I can't remember was if this was this week or not, but Marty the Moth's sister. That was last week. Okay, well, we didn't talk about it, and she is terrifying, might I add. 
And please somebody confirm this if it's true. I don't know. I've heard that that's uh, cheerleader Melissa. Oh, okay. I could look into that. I I, I do not know. Um, yeah, I've heard that. I don't know if it's true. If it is, then major props to her because she's completely reinvented herself with this character. Yeah, and that's that's what that's what they do, and they they make. I mean, this is a company that makes stars, and it's just like our boy Cage that we had on the show um, uh, over the summer. Uh, I mean, had had a great match with Taya. Um, where she just kind of got over beating. What? She took a beating. Yeah, and I think she got she got over by getting her ass kicked because like she's basically like, oh, you know, we can like she can get her ass kicked, you know. And Cage didn't do any of the like, I can't hit her. She's a woman. He's like, this is Lucha Underground. We're all competitors. This is what's going to happen. And I, I thought it was great. And I think Cage and Johnny Mundo is a fantastic feud. It's this unstoppable, uh, you know, Brock Lesnar against this piece of shit, like arrogant asshole that, you know, is, is uh, as the, as the redubbing Johnny zero of Johnny Punto, um, (laughs) is, is just a great feud. I, I think they, they make so many stars on that show, by the way, if I can, that's a great segue, because if I can point out something about making stars, uh, Vince McMahon apparently was uh, not quoted, but reported in the dirt sheets this week that he looks at NXT as nothing special and that they're just a touring brand and isn't impressed because he doesn't see any stars on the show. So I want to point out this to Vince McMahon. Do you know that your company is a touring company? And if it's just a touring brand, like, I don't understand what his point is. He's like, what is a touring brand? Like, He's like, he's like, it just sells out buildings and people go there and enjoy it. I don't think there's any potential. Like, pro wrestling promoters overthink stuff so much. Mm-hmm. There, there's all this, like, it, like it's to me it's like, well, you know, the audience is really into Dean Ambrose, but I, I think Roman Reigns has more mainstream appeal. Well, if he's getting pops from, like, 80,000 people and he, like, sells more merchandise or whatever, that's mainstream appeal. Like, if if your idea is, like, he's bigger, therefore he'll get over easier, that's fine. But when the other guy's over more, that's the end of the ball game. Like, your goal is not to get big guys or small guys or dumb guys or smart guys or whatever. Your job is to get guys that get over End of story. Once you've gotten a guy over, there's nothing else to do. It doesn't matter if he got over by being fat, skinny, short, tall, whatever. It doesn't matter. Once they're over, they're over. So the idea that, like, oh, fans won't buy him, they're buying him. You know, like, I I always hated that mindset. They're like, well, you know, you can't go with this guy because of this. Well, is he over? Like, Christian's too small. He's getting a pop in the ring with you in Madison Square Garden. What more do you want? You know, it's just the end game is for them to get over. So if they're over, that's the end of the conversation. It does nothing else matters. You know. I mean, WWE defenders say it all the time. They're like, "Oh, Roman Reigns, he's got the look, and he's got this, and all the things that Vince is looking for, and that's why he's getting the push, and blah 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 blah." And he's he's going to be the money guy long term. And it's like, yeah, but you're based just, on you're what? Guys based that on fans what? Don't like. What is that based on? And by the way, if he's got the look, take off your fucking shirt and stop wrestling like Bubba Ray Dudley. You have the look? Let me see your muscles. Like, don't get me wrong. 
I'm a like I'm an internet smart, but I'll pop for 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 pecs. I I totally buy it. I get it. But take a look at Seth Rollins and take a look at Roman Reigns. One of the guys takes his shirt off when he wrestles because he has an abdominal section. The other guy will not. So I don't want to hear one guy's got the looks when he's too undefined to have visible muscles and definition. Like if that's what we're gonna boil it down to, it then let's boil it down. Take off your fucking shirt. You're not human shield, but you can't because you're not developed enough. Like I, I, I guarantee you, he would take off his shirt if he did. Why did The Rock not wrestle? Why did he wrestle with a shirt on in 1999? Because he he was getting his uh, his pec surgery done and he couldn't be seen like that. That's why. So it's it's just so silly that 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 this is a conversation that we're having. Like, oh, he's the money guy. Based on what? Is it based on the bad interviews? Is it based on the mediocre matches? He has gotten better in the ring, but as Vince McMahon will tell you, wrestling isn't everything. Like, like to this day and age, people are like, oh, well, you know, Cena didn't. People didn't like him because he couldn't wrestle. That's not true. Cena's had a ton of great matches. Like, Hulk Hogan got over, and he's the worst worker in the world. It doesn't matter. Do you have charisma? Roman Reigns is not particularly charismatic. He's not particularly over. I'm not saying he can never get over, but you probably have to turn him heel. That's probably a thing you have to do. And it used to be commonplace in the wrestling industry until Cena came along, and they're like, fuck it. Just give them this. They'll be fine. And then forever and a day we have to hear, well, people boo him, but he sells out arenas. Did he Did he sell out arenas, or was that the, the WWE brand? What well, I keep hearing that WrestleMania 32 has had the highest ticket sales of any WWE event to date ever. No, Cena. I was like, Cena will not be on that card. So what does that tell you? You can only judge it based on before and after. If John Cena, like, like, if the ratings are just staying the same or they're doing whatever, then there's no, like, change. It wasn't like, and I'll say this before, WWE can say all they want about, like, oh, you know, he, the, the towns he appears in do better than the towns he, don't, he doesn't appear in. I cannot verify that. I do not have those numbers. I'll tell you what I do. I have Nielsen ratings because those are public and there are tons of blogs, TV by the numbers, if you are interested in TV ratings ever, is a fantastic ratings website. Go ahead. Look at it. Take a look. Daniel Bryan and John Cena achieved the exact same Nielsen rating. The exact same. In some cases, Daniel Bryan's been higher. When John Cena was off the show in August, ratings went up. Now, I'm not saying John Cena is bad for ratings. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is it probably doesn't really matter in most cases. You have to have a brand that people are interested in. You have to have a story that people connect with. People don't watch one episode of Game of Thrones because Jamie Lannister isn't in it. They don't go, oh, fuck this shit. I'm tuning out. They engage because the entire story is compelling to them. They go, oh, this is interesting. I wonder what's going to happen with all these nine characters that I'm interested in and seeing what's going to happen next. That's what they do. That's a key reason the Attitude Era was successful. That's a key reason, regardless of revisionist history, why late 95, early 96 had some good things, because you had a bunch of different guys that were super over, and they were doing different things, and then, you know, you lose two of those major components, and one goes away, and you're like, you have three guys that people care about, and people are less interested in. So what you have to do is create stars, and put them in situations that are interesting, and magically people will care. You don't just build around one guy, and have him beat monsters over and over again, because this isn't a traveling road show in 1980, and that's not how things work. Well said. Well, I, I literally have nothing to add to that. <laughs> no, thank you, sir. Um, uh, we got to wrap this up in a few minutes, but uh, why don't we talk about <laughs> One Night, One Match Part 2 in NXT? 
Yeah. Um, what do you think of the match? It was it was okay. I mean, I didn't dislike it, but I didn't. Um, you know, I, I didn't love it. I like it was it was. I, I liked that there wasn't a fall for like twenty minutes. That was cool because I didn't think they should be beating each other a ton. I've always been, and people make fun of this match and and uh, talk about how. Um, it, it's it lacks drama, but I love the philosophy behind the Iron Man match with Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. Like the idea oh, that like, I just rewatched it a couple weeks ago. It's a great match. I know, like people hate it now. Like people always talk about how it's not like it's not really a good match. I think that is an amazingly well paced match. Watching it again, it's like they start off so slow initially, and then by the time they start doing even something as simple as a clothesline, the crowd starts popping. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Cause and you got to remember, this is 1996 matter. WWE. They had literally never seen anything like this before. Like, mm-hmm. and this is the first time they're doing it. So that's incredibly easy. Also, it was a cold product at that time because, like, Razor was leaving, Diesel was going to go, um, you know, like, that card isn't great. And, like, they're able to, like, do what they can do. And, yeah, I, like, so I, I like the idea that there weren't falls, but, um, you know, it just, I don't know. It just, it, there was never a point where it, like, really grabbed me. Let's not say it was a bad match. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the story it told. I liked that Samoa Joe got the clean win. I mean, like, they established that he was he was the winner, and that's fine. And I, I just, I, I'm not going to, like, it, it's not like when I saw, like, uh, Neville Zane, then I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, that was amazing. Probably because I never thought that Joe was, like, the greatest worker, you know? So, mm-hmm. I don't know. That was my thoughts on it. But I'll say this. Um, I'm with you. I didn't dislike the match. I, I enjoyed it. But, overall, I don't know if Joe was the right guy to be having this type of match because he's not in the shape he was in 12 years ago. I don't know. He looked like he was getting pretty gassed and slowed down about halfway through it. And it's so, like, yeah, for him, it's probably really hard. But, yeah, no, and, and I'll and I'll say this. I think Joe's match with Corbin at uh, Takeover was better. Oh, that was a, yeah, that was a really good match. So yeah, yeah, was, it, um, it, and everybody says that matches have to be long to be great or anything. It's like no, sometimes you just got to get the point across and be good at what you're doing. Yeah, and by the way, by the way, nobody look, but Baron Corbin's really good now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that shit with Austin Aries was fantastic. I mean, like, like first of all, they've done multiple things. First of all, he's learning. And that's an important thing. Second of all, they turned him heel when the crowd was turning on him. That's important. Third of all, they've given him a character with substance. I don't need to be an indie wrestler or understand that because I got here the way I did it. And everyone else is not as important as I am. And I hate all these indie stars coming and taking my spotlight. That is a character I can believe and sink my teeth into. And he's run with it. And he's the hottest heel in in, um in NXT, and, like, he's getting really good. I mean, don't tell anyone, because it'll kill the <laughs> Healy, but, like, I, I've been impressed with Corbin since Brooklyn, honestly. Uh, I'll be honest, I saw potential from the beginning. At first I did, and then I went with Chelsea. everyone else, where I was like, eh, this is getting boring. Nah, I was kind of like, oh, okay, he's a big guy that kills people, that's fine, and they're establishing that he's dominant, and he's like, okay, he's green, but he could get better, and as predicted, he's gotten better, so... I have no complaints. The the issue with that is I hate to assume they're going to get better because a lot of times the WWE, and this is why it's not a big guy or a little guy thing. It's just that little guys are not afforded as many chances 
they have to do something crazy to stand out. I mean, Shawn Michaels was like, hey, I'm going to be the best guy that I could possibly be in the ring, and I'm just going to be the best worker anyone's ever seen, and you'll notice me and I'll get a title run. CM Punk's like, hey, I'm going to be the best talker in the business, and like, you'll have to notice me. Big guys are like, you're going to have a spot on the show? Sure. You don't need to do anything. You're already big. So I think a lot of them can rest on their laurels with that. And it's not to say that inherently they're better athletes or worse athletes. It's just that the company doesn't ask them to do those things. So I think when a, when a, when a performer tries to improve, and I think Undertaker historically was a guy like that, I think, um, mm-hmm. you know, there there were, there, there were, there were, there was a lot of guys. I mean, uh, Scott Hall was a bigger guy that, uh, was a great worker and was always trying to improve. Um, you know, those guys exist. It's just they have to be pushed and they have to have that ambition. And unfortunately, the company's just satisfied with them being who they are. And unfortunately, that hampers them in most cases. So, oh, yeah. yeah. Um, all right. I think we got to wrap this up. But, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us. As always, check us out on the com, Facebook, Twitter. We appreciate all your follows and wrestling things um, and social media things. Uh, but for right now, I'm Eric Clancy and Patrick Kelly, and we are signing off.